Hello and welcome to my podcast. This is episode 19 of the Tim Weichselbaum Show. I'm currently four months sober. The exact day is uh, more than four months sober. I'm four months and 13 days. So 136 days since I last consumed alcohol. And uh, I guess I don't really miss it that much anymore because... I now I'm one of those people. I've kind of transcended the urge or the whatever the the feeling of wanting to drink because um, and what I feel superior to people that have that need. And so I'm trying not to judge people openly who drink because I can't. I used to be one of them just fucking 4 months ago. Who am I to judge? Anybody, for any reason. Judgment makes me feel bad. But I can't help that I do feel better than people. I don't, I don't, I think if you use alcohol as a social crutch, you're just, you're a pussy. What, you just, you can't handle the feeling of social isolation? You can't handle the feeling of rejection when you say something that nobody gives a fuck about in a, like a circle, in like a group. I It hurts a lot more when you're dead sober to be in like a social situation and you say something and then nobody responds. When you're drunk, you don't really care as much. You just, you just try again in a more brash, aggressive, and people don't like that assholes i heard i found out i found out that people don't like dickheads actually i kind of knew that but i guess i used to think that being on alcohol gave you like a pass gave you like a green flag to be one because it's fun and it's like well hey that's why not be loose and just say the shit you actually think so i'm dealing with that i'm still uh, getting used to being like functional. I'm learning how to be functional without it. And it, it's a lot of dead air when I'm trying to be social in a situation. A lot of me not saying anything because I don't have anything interesting to say. And there's a sensor in my brain that says, nah, that's not going to be interesting. Just say nothing and just wait for something that I actually care about. Because on alcohol... You could just latch on to any conversation about anything. They'll be talking about something you don't give a fuck about. It'll be, oh, yeah, 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 man, I heard about that. Because you just want to fucking socialize. That's way harder to accomplish when you're self-conscious of all the shit you're saying. When you're analyzing it before you even say it. And then you ask a question that's like, you find out is like a dumb question. Like I asked somebody... I went to a comedy show last night, and I asked the person running it, is this the first one? And he was like, no, it's been going on for four years. I was like, oh, I feel really dumb then, because I thought this was the very first show that you've ever done. And now, since I said something dumb, not that it was that dumb, because I didn't know anything about it. Who cares? That's the thing. It wasn't even that big a deal. It was just a question. I was just making conversation. But since it was such a dumb question i felt socially rejected so i was like well now i have to 
no, no, I'm like, I have to be humble. No, I'm just going to not talk. But it was fine. It wasn't a big deal. That's what I'm learning to do. And actually, I wasn't the only one who was like recently sober at that show. All the comics were sober. It happened. They happened to be all recently sober. So I actually kind of felt like I fit in as much as I could for somebody who's autist on the autistic spectrum and sober. I don't actually know if I'm on the autistic spectrum. I just fucking hope I am because that would be really bad if I was doing this poorly in life <laughs> if without being on the spectrum. Like if I was not on the spectrum and I was doing this poorly when it comes to social situations, there's nothing else it could be. Like I guess it could just be like, Something else going on mentally that's making me not want to talk to people. But no, it's definitely just that I don't like interacting with people because of autism, I think. Autism. I love talking about autism now that I know that I probably have it. I used to think I didn't have it, but then I read on, like, I don't know, I just read on, like, the Internet uh, on, from people that have autism. And I go, oh, I relate to that. I relate to this. It's a lot of people that just don't leave the house. You don't see them too often in public. You don't really interact. You don't really like talk to people with autism that often, unless they're like working at a menial job. See, like you could be a f functional member of society just because you've all, despite having autism, if you work a specific job that like there's a divide. It takes a while for people with autism to assimilate to a certain uh, work environment that involves, like, customers, for example. But eventually, even somebody with autism will figure it out. If they've been doing the position for long enough, they'll be like, okay, I've been in this situation before, I know what to do, and I'll do it probably better than people without autism because I'm good at following rules and order it's just the situations that they haven't been in before that they go that they get all anxious and they shut down because they don't know how to fucking interact with people in a new way but if it's a old way then okay they'll probably actually be better at it like if you're like a bartender if you've seen every possible situation that could happen in a bar yeah that's fine if you have autism because you'll remember it and you'll just go by, you'll probably remember it even better because you were anxious the first time it happened, so you learned. It's like a burned-in trauma, you know, like traumatic memory, so you know how to avoid it next time. That said, I wouldn't want to have autism in any job that has to do with talking to people. It sucks, dude. Like, talking to people sucks because their brain is doing one thing and your brain is doing something very specific that probably isn't going to blend with other people's brains. That's just how it is, dude. Like, people with autism, if that's what I even have, we live in our own worlds. and We have special interests that we get super into that we could talk about for hours, like I'm doing right now. One of my special interests is just autism itself. I'm a self-aware, autistic per Whatever, dude, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I think it takes weird people, like, 
and by weird I just mean non-conventional personalities or ways of thinking is really the thing I should really be uh, targeting in this it's the way of thinking that goes against the grain that creates uh, real innovation in the world like most billionaires most people entrepreneurs that think of something new are autistic I'm guessing I hope so otherwise I have no chance like people who want to excel in a specific field that's already super competitive they better have autism or they better have a way figure out a way take vaccines do something to get autism it's hard to get it at, at like as an adult like what if somebody was just going through their whole life and then all of a sudden they hit 40 years old and then they become autistic because they drank because uh, uh, <laughs> they drank sodium oxide. I don't know because they fuck uh, that, what's that metal that liquid that liquid metal it starts with an M. I'm just gonna sit here until I fuck it mercury. <laughs> if you drink mercury when you're 40, maybe you have a shot of competing with Elon Musk. That'd be funny, though, if somebody just becomes autistic overnight. It's like, dude, I, you used to be able to socialize with me. All, now you're just, like, looking at your phone all the time. It's annoying, dude, when people just look at their phone instead of... Even people who don't have autism do that. It's like, what is their excuse, you fucking asshole? It's like, I have an excuse. I'm fucking weird. I'm... I was always like this. I was always withdrawn from social, from that type of situation. What is your excuse, non-autistic person looking at your phone all the time instead of, I don't know, interacting with somebody to meet new... Maybe there's something interesting you can learn from somebody when you're just sitting there. When you just sit... Why not talk to people? I suck at it myself, but I have an excuse, like I said. And now that I'm sober, I don't... I avoid confrontation like no other motherfucker. I, I don't like confrontation anymore. I used to crave it when I was drunk because it's fun as fuck when you don't care about the consequences of it. It's like, fuck yeah, dude. As soon as it starts escalating, as soon as I hear like a fight breaking out or an argument, like I hear someone raise their voice a certain way and the tone shifts and people start stop talking and like look away and like avoid it or look at it i used to fucking love that dude that was what made my night that was the whole reason i went out is to just see bad shit happen and people get angry and have their feelings hurt that i mean schadenfreude like anything that goes well it's like what was the point of that it's like oh we had a nice event and nothing bad happened it went well it's like, okay, what's the story with that? Why'd you tell me? What's the punchline of the story? It's like, there isn't a punch. We're just living life. We're just social. We're just friends. Meeting up, catching up. It's like, well, you didn't invite me, so I don't know why the hell you're talking. <laughs> like, who would do that? Who would have a party or an event, like a luncheon, with your friends, your close friends, and then post it on the internet? Like, post a fucking social media story saying i'm with all my best friends like well apparently not if you're telling me about it what do you got to tell other people if you already have all the people you care about fucking right there you don't need the internet yeah 
So you must still have a hole in your, your life that you're trying to fill if you're with the people you love and you're still telling strangers about it. Like, either invite me so I could, like, you're just making me feel excluded. You're just trying to, like, feel like you're superior. Like, there's so many ways that people are just, like, infected by their narcissism. I'm, I'm not. I beat all that. I'm a sane. I'm the only sane person I know. I used to crave confrontation. So, like, now I kind of am a pussy about it because I just feel like I don't want. What's the point of that? I didn't. It'll only hurt me to get into confrontations because uh, that's it. There's nothing to gain from it. I moved. I invested in this fucking city, whatever you want to call it, where I live took a lot of planning, money, commitment, time. Uh, what is the word? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. I used to get laid all the time in Chicago because I assimilated and became a ninja turtle of the community. So I would just walk around, whip my dick out on the street, and then street urchins would come and suck my dick uh, in the alley. Sometimes not even in the alley. Clark. Just on Clark Street. Clark and Diversity. I had a... Nah, and I can't even make it. See, I don't even like making dumb jokes anymore. Because I'm mature. I'm maturing. But anyway, I moved here and put in a lot of like commitment. So why would I just fuck it up and just start running my attitude all over the place and like I put money into this this was an investment into my future like what am I gonna do just sell my house the second I have a bad night all it would take is probably one bad night for me to be like I'm done I'm moving to another place I'm moving to Miami or something like that because uh so that's why I'm not doing that. That's why I'm not being confrontational because I'm kind of don't really have that much of a solid uh, friend group here. So there's not much keeping me here. There really ain't. The only thing keeping me here is the barbecue and the fact that I have a nice, big, comfortable house with everything I need. Like I don't fucking need to go anywhere else because I have everything. I, I have all my basic needs met. The basic, like the very basic ones. So I do, I don't mind being here, but the, the fuck, if you're not taking advantage of the thing you, I moved here for, it is kind of a dumb thing. It is kind of like a failed move, basically, which is fine. I don't care. If it's like, oh, I, I regret moving here. It's like, okay, I'll just do it again. I'll find somewhere else. I don't really look at that as a bad thing to uh, to admit that you made a poor decision because that fucking that's how you figure out shit. Like if you're an entrepreneur, your first business idea is probably gonna suck. So being a failure is part of the fucking process. So I'm a motivational speaker. Anyway, so that so last two nights ago, three nights ago, something like that. I went to this open mic with somebody else. We went together. 
we kind of, I drove him. He wanted me to, he wanted to go to Mike's that were whatever out of the way because I have a car. So that's the only reason he wanted to go. That's the reason he, he uh, hit me up, which is fine because, hey, I don't care. I mean, I don't mind driving a little bit out of, you know, just for the camaraderie of going to, a you know, an open mic with somebody you know. It's better to have somebody there you're kind of friends with than going alone, you know? Just You feel naked going alone to an open mic that you've never been to for the first time at some sketchy fucking place in the middle of some sketchy lounge with a bunch of futons everywhere. And it was right by the airport, so there's these planes that were just like taking up the whole sky because of how fucking close to the ground they were. So you couldn't talk when they were fucking flying over. It's like, well, there's a plane going by. I guess we have to stop talking for five obnoxiously long seconds. I would have never gone there if somebody else did not want to also go. So strength in numbers. Like the sum of the parts are greater than the... I fucked it up. I don't know. The whole of the, the sum of the parts are greater than the fucking whatever the phrase is. If you go, if you team up with somebody, that is better than being an individual sometimes. So anyway, we went to this fucking mic, and then we went to this other mic. I don't remember the fucking chain of events. I'm telling a story like how like a woman tells a story. They just, they just, they're very detailed oriented. So, So here's a detail that's not necessary to the crutch of the story, but here it is anyway. Because I like to just meand. I'm just going to go through this sto- go through this whole story. Anyway, so we went to the fucking one at this particular club. And this guy that I'm with, I don't, I'm not going to use his name. He's not going to listen to this, so it doesn't matter. But I just don't feel the need to fucking identify him. Uh, and he has this fucking really bad attitude about treatment at open mics. Specifically, how... He gets treated when signing up for an open mic. He doesn't really have much self-awareness. He doesn't... He thinks he deserves, like, special treatment just because he's been doing comedy for 10 years or whatever. He th- he thinks that that automatically means people are just going to be like, Oh, yeah, you, you get to get whatever... You get special treatment. But nobody, that's not how it works. Like, people aren't just going to know that you're funny or they don't care. Even if you're funny, even if you've been doing it for however long, it's not a, who gives a fuck? They care if you have credits. They care if you're famous. Maybe then, yeah, if you're famous, like, actually well-known, then, yeah, then you should, then you will get special treatment, whether you deserve it or not. You shouldn't be entitled about it, but... If you are a well-known comedian, you could just go to pretty much any open mic in the whole country. And yeah, the host is probably going to be like, yeah, you could go up whenever you want. This guy, he's not exactly a national headliner, to put it, uh, to put it lightly. He's not, he's not exactly there yet, so he, but he thinks he is or something. He doesn't actually, I don't think he thinks he's a headliner, but he definitely thinks he's like, Better than he is. He's like he's not that fucking good for how long he's been. Like just on average, he's definitely like a dedicated comedian, 
And that's like he's not just doing it as a hobby, you know, he's been doing it for 10 years. But he has a chip on his shoulder from doing it in his hometown for so long that he developed these fucking barnacles. He developed like this layer of of uh, algae, this patina, this thin layer of grime. Not literally, I mean, he, maybe literally too because he's kind of a greasy guy, but like this patina of self-entitlement and it's disgusting because it's very toxic. It's not going to help you in any fucking way. So anyway, he got into a fucking <laughs> altercation with the host because uh, we got there a little bit early. We were like one of the first people, first comedians to show up. And so he assumed that meant, of course, we're going to get a, a spot. I didn't think, I didn't care. I didn't think we were going to necessarily get a spot because every mic is has like a weird system and like there's a lot of like nepotism or whatever. And I didn't think we were going to get up. But anyway, he uh, he was like, still, he finds out that he we like missed the sign up or something. And then he goes up to the host and is like, yo, we were here. Uh, I don't remember what he said, actually. I just know he got really mad because <laughs> the host, like, told him, oh, yeah, it's full. And then so he's like, it's full? And so he just got visibly upset, and the host did not take that very well. The host was not having it. The host was not going to apologize. The host was just like, yeah, it's full. Get the fuck out of my face. And this was not the first time that he's had, like, a run-in with that host so this was so the host remembered him from the last time that he got mad so it kind of turned into like a blow-up situation it turned into like an actual heated uh argument or fight so he was i fucking got out of there i don't even remember what happened but supposedly he told him he just went up to him like pissed off the my friend a guy and then the host told him to fuck off so he was pretty upset about that for the rest of the night like and i had to, i tried to cool him down i told him yeah fuck that guy i mean don't i mean what do you expect blah 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 uh i'm with you like i understand where you're coming from and i tried my best to cool him off but he was like yelling he was like fucking he was annoying as fuck to me because he was like taking his anger out in front of me not on me not towards me, but at but at me. And it was annoying. It's like, dude, I don't don't take it. Don't ruin my night. Like, don't deflate my good mood just because you were an asshole. <laughs> but he didn't realize that he was doing that to me because he doesn't have much uh, self. He doesn't have much social, uh, pr you know, prow prowess. He's not the most socially intelligent person, or else that wouldn't have happened in the first place. Cause I, so I don't know. So I just fucking went. I left the room as soon as it got heated, and other people did too. Like other people just got the fuck out of there. They got on a shuttle for the next fucking station, and I was like, "Yeah, this is interesting. I like this because it's exciting, kind of from my you know, it's exciting to see a confrontation." But uh, yeah, it was embarrassing a little bit because I I'm, I came from the same. I came, I was there with him. I felt like it, I, it made me look kind of bad. 
because I was with him and I'm from the same city as him. I'm from the same hometown as him. And so I was like, fuck, it's making me look, it's making the whole, <laughs> he's making Chicago look bad. Coming here with this conceited attitude. Like, oh, I deserve special treatment because I didn't understand how to sign up for this mic. So therefore I'm mad and you have to appease my anger. It's like, nobody, nobody's going to do that. No, most open mics have a surplus of comedians and there's nothing special about me. I don't deserve special treatment. I don't go in with like this attitude. It's like, yeah, man, I'm from Chicago. I've been doing it for nine years. You should fucking suck my dick and put me up first. I used to be kind of like that. And then I kind of reflect. I did some self-reflecting. It's like, why the fuck are you doing that? Why would you go out of your way? What are you providing to the craft of stand-up comedy by having a shitty attitude. It's like you're not helping anybody. Most people are already pretty upset with their lives. Who do stand up. Who wants to be around assholes. Is what, right. He's not an asshole. He, you know, he's not that much of it. He's not an asshole. He just was <laughs> that night and other nights. But I can't control what other people do, so if it made me look bad, fuck fuck people who think that I give a... F I don't condone what other people do just because I hang out with them sometimes. And I was... So I left the fucking open mic. I was just like, yo, let's just go, let's just go and play pool. And he was like, yeah, let's go. So that was the right decision, just to just get the fuck out of there. Uh, I was the voice of reason for once. And then, but it was like, I kind of wanted to do that mic. So it did kind of, whatever. Like, I'm I'm a loyal person. So if somebody that I'm with is having a bad time, I will stay with them and make them, try to f make them feel better. And if that means I don't get to do a fucking mic, okay, it's not a big deal. But uh, he didn't give a fuck that I didn't get to do the mic. It was, uh, but uh, I already did two mics that night, and I happened to be in a very good mood that night, so it was funny that he was like in a horrible mood, but he did it to himself, so I didn't really give a fuck. I don't know, man. I was in a good mood that night. Anyway, so I finally went to the gun range after being a gun owner for about, for like five months. Like, I just wanted to buy a gun for the novelty of buying a gun without having to fucking go through like a long process in illinois you have to get a fucking you have to sign up you have to register for this for a card you have to takes forever here all you need is a valid identification you just gotta prove that you're a resident of texas and be over 21 and not be a felon that's pretty much it you just sign the paperwork at the gun store it takes like two seconds and that's the only, I don't know, I just, it was just exciting to like be like, yeah, let's buy a fucking gun. So I had a, so I just owned it for four months and never shot it. Never really cared about actually using it. It just felt cool to have it on my hip. And then that got kind of old. It's like, it's, it's uncomfortable having a, like anytime you sit down, there's like this piece of metal just like right in your balls. Just right in, right, just rubbing up against your groin. It's like, is that necessary? So if it does go off, I'm definitely blowing my dick off. I'm definitely never going to have kids 
if I accidentally discharge his weapon. Is that really necessary to have on me? It's like, well, yeah, sometimes I do feel like it's necessary. There's a lot of fucking crazy people in Texas. Like, It doesn't hurt to have a weapon on you, but also there's a balance. You have to be very calm because you don't... <laughs> You can only use it in the most dire situation. You can only really use a gun justifiably if somebody else is using deadly force against you. So what is so I don't want to be in that situation to begin with. Having a gun should never escalate a situation. It can only be used as a last resort. People are fucking crazy here. They wave guns around, which is a felony. Like if. If they're angry because they're chill, because men, you know, people are children in America. Like, I like America. That's the beauty of this country is that we have so much freedom and wealth and success that we have abundance. We have room for assholes to fucking wander around or dumb people. Like, the stereotype that Americans are dumb is, is true. Because we are spoiled, because we have, because we're successful enough to be dumb. We're doing so well that we don't even need to be smart to survive. That's a beautiful thing. At least I think it is. Hey, I mean, I don't know. It's nice to, it would, wouldn't be bad to be in a smarter country. But then you'd have to work harder because it's not as successful. Anyway, so I finally went to the gun range. Drove my Tesla to uh, Lockhart, and that's about 30 minutes for me. And I had to go on this gravel road for a miserably long time, like a le fucking at least a, like a mile or two on gravel in a fucking space shuttle in a car that's worth more than the whole town that I was going to, like the the gun range probably makes less profit in a year than the car is worth. So I parked it. So that sucked. So I just drove real slow. And it didn't really mess up the car, but at the bottom it's probably covered in a bunch of fine dust particles and all shit like that. But anyway, went to the gun range. It was fun. I went there right at like 9 a.m., 10 a.m. on a Monday because I did not want to go when it was crowded. Why the? That would have been way less fun if there was a lot of people there. Like, if you had to take turns. It's like, yeah, it's all, yeah, fuck that. So, like, oh, it's my turn. And then you have to hope that nobody's standing next to you where your your brass is going to fly in their face. So, I, it was, I, it was only me and two other people there in the, in the whole place that I was shoot. There was two ranges, one for short range, one for long range. And then several others for like shotguns, rifles. I only needed to go to the ones with pistols or, you know, regular guns, like a pistol. That's all I wanted to shoot. So I had my own range all to myself, but it was a short range. It was like 15 feet away from the target. But that was my first time ever shooting a, a gun in my whole life. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. Of course I'm going to start with the easy one. So I set up my target, I stapled the target on the frame, walked it to the range, and then I was like, okay, I got my ear protection, I got my glasses on, I guess I got everything, I guess I know what I'm doing. So I put one round in the magazine just because I didn't know what the recoil would be. 
It was my first time ever shooting a gun. So I wanted there to only be one round in the chamber just in case I accidentally like double shot or something after the recoil went off, you know, because I've seen videos of that on TikTok of like somebody shooting a fucking revolver and the recoil brings the gun barrel towards their fucking head almost and and it shoots off another round almost killing them because they didn't know how to handle the recoil. So I just did one round and used two hands and had ear protection on so it wasn't loud. And I was just like, okay, yeah, that was about what I expected. It was pretty powerful recoil on my uh, 380 audio uh, semi-automatic, whatever you call it, PPK, Walther PPKS. So the recoil did kind of like hurt my hand because I wasn't, it hurt my thumb because I wasn't holding it properly. I wasn't grasping the back of the gun enough or something. So the recoil gave me like a little bit of like a blister, but it was fun. It wasn't anything beyond what I expected, except that it was actually kind of more fun than I thought it would be because it is relaxing, surprisingly, to have a whole range to yourself with all the time in the world and all the ammo that you could possibly want. Because I, I had a couple boxes of ammo. I didn't need that much. I wasn't going to shoot off like 200 rounds. So I shot off maybe like 40 rounds, 50 at the very most. I packed the magazines many times because they only hold seven bullets. My weapon, my pistol. So I seven fucking rounds is two fucking is five seconds worth. So I, I I was like, yeah, this is not that hard to hit the target where I want. So I moved over to the long range, which was just right next to me. But they that had two other people there, so that was not that's fine. That was great. Just two other people in a range that could handle ten people. So I had to tell them. I had to ask them for a ceasefire. It's like, can you get, can I get a ceasefire so I can set up my targets? Like, yeah, of course. And it was very, they're very nice and uh, polite. And they have obviously been shooting for a long time because they were shooting like very far distant targets that were way difficult for a, that I, yeah. So I fucking, they did, the gun, guns are loud. And I had my, I had earplugs in. And uh, fucking whatever you call earmuffs, those earmuffs and uh, earplugs, because I didn't want to fuck up my hearing. So my, I, so I wasn't hearing much. It wasn't that loud for me, but other people were not even wearing hearing protection, dude. <laughs> like the people who worked there when I signed in and paid the you know entry fee. I asked them, so how, when should I put on my hearing protection? Like how close to the range should I, can I get before putting the hearing protection? They said, well, we're deaf, so we don't care. But if you're new, then you should probably put them on like right now before you even leave this fucking office. I was like, okay. And then the dude at the range who worked there who kind of helped me set up the target, he had no fucking hearing protection, dude. It's like, I don't know, man. I don't want to go deaf just from a hobby like that. So, But it was fun. And the other people, I was just like intimidated by shooting and making noise, even though I was at a gun range. I was like, 
do I really need to be here making a bunch of noise? But then the other people were just talking in between my shots without it even phasing them. I was like 20 feet away from them doing, you know, unloading my magazine, and they were not even stifled at all by the noise. They were just mid-sentence, not, even, not at all bothered by it. So it was, it was chill as fuck. If anything, I wish I stayed there longer because it was relaxing and yeah it was awesome so i will go back there and i probably have to clean the fucking gun because it had a bunch of gunpowder in there but anyway so driving tailgaters i get tailgating is like a thing that people do in a, in uh, cities a lot you don't really see it too often in the countryside like whenever i go outside of the city in a more rural area you don't, there's not, there's less aggressive drivers, but in Austin to anywhere in the city, metropolitan area, you're going to have people just riding your ass no matter what, no matter how fast you're going, no matter which lane you're in. They just want, they, they're just aggressive by nature of being Texan or just being in a city or something. It's a combination of factors. They're assholes. They took the vaccine. It's fucking up their brain. It's affecting their behavior. And so I, I'm, it's a matter of time before I get killed by an aggressive driver, by a, an incident of road rage. I just know in my bones that it's going to escalate to that because I don't like it. I don't like when people tailgate me, like, especially at night. Like when I'm relaxed, when I, at the end of the night, when I'm just getting home, not in a hurry, and there's somebody just on my ass with their tail light just blaring in my face. Of course, that's going to bug me at the very least. And and even if and so I tell myself consciously, road rage is dumb. Don't have don't just let it go. But at the very least, I'm it still makes me anxious. Sure, I'm not I don't have rage, I guess, but it it makes me anxious knowing that there's somebody behind me aggravated. And it makes me like, okay, when the fuck am I turning so I can get away from this asshole? And it makes me like wobble. It just makes me a less competent driver knowing that there's somebody who thinks I suck at driving. I don't know. And so I'm, I know that eventually it's going to get me killed because I don't drive faster if somebody's behind me. If I'm in the left lane, of course I'll move over if it's safe to do so. I'm not going to do it in a fucking hurry. It's like, oh, somebody's somebody's better. Somebody's angry. I better get out, get out of their way. Yeah, I'll do it if it's safe to do so. I'm not going to do it and then fucking ram into somebody because I don't speed up. If I'm in the if there, if it's a one one lane road and somebody's like you know, 10 feet away from my bumper, I'm not just going to speed up. I'm going to let off. I'm going to release my foot from the gas completely. Unless it's like a really well-paved road, then I'll I'll be like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll speed up. But if it's a fucking one of these shitty wobbly roads with a bunch of dip, dips in it and like potholes, yeah, I don't have a pickup truck. I don't have an SUV. I have a sports car and a supercar, and they both are not ideal cars for Texas roads. So yeah, I'm not going to fucking fuck up my car by accelerating in an unsafe way 
just because some shithead is behind me. So I know that that's eventually going to escalate into uh, into me getting shot. And and sometimes when they... I mean, I, I do play into it. I do escalate it. Uh, even at my best, I t- it's hard. It's so hard to just let people walk all over. Like, like there was somebody behind me yesterday, and they uh, they moved to the right lane because I was in the left lane, not giving a fuck. So they tried to pass me in the right lane. So as soon as they moved lanes, I accelerated way beyond. <laughs> the speed that they wanted to go so then that made them mad and then so they became aggressive and somebody honked at them because they were being an asshole in the other lanes of uh and it wasn't me i it had nothing to do with me they were the ones who got honked at anyway it's another reason to have a gun on you but also at the same time it's another reason to not have a gun on you because like knowing that i have a gun on my hip is that going to make me a safer driver knowing that, I don't know, I think it will because I don't want to use it because it'll put holes in my car. So why would I want to use it? If I open the window, like a drive-by, yeah, you open your window. A drive-by shoot, you don't just shoot through your closed fucking window. Anyway, this is boring. I have Tesla insurance, so this is where I'm getting, this is a good fucking idea. My supercar, this the Tesla Model S... Uh, I have insurance under Tesla and that is good because they have this way of tracking how bad you drive. Turns out Teslas are pretty advanced technological marvels. So anytime you do anything wrong in a car, in a Tesla, like if you brake too hard, if you turn too fast, if you follow somebody too close, yeah, it docks your driving score and affects your insurance rates like instantaneously like you could have one bad day of driving you could do one bad thing and that'll drop your score and your insurance will go up that's fucking genius it takes the fun out of driving completely but if everybody had that i think there'd be a lot less shitty drivers Ah, man, that would make the world such a better place if there was, like, a scoring system. Or if you could report somebody who's being an asshole, like, film them while they're driving, like, a dick and get their license plate and just have a way of that, you know, affecting their fucking insurance. Why is that not a thing? I guess because of commercialism. I guess because it's not profitable to have, I mean, it it should be. It should be profitable because if shitty drivers have to pay more, then yeah, that's a profit. But if the good drivers have to pay less, that's not a profit. It's still a good a fucking idea, though. And most Texans don't know how to merge. Most of them just don't have any idea that you're supposed to like either increase or decrease your speed when merging. They just stay exactly like they have like blinders like a horse does. Like they can only see what's right in front of them. They don't really realize, you know, when they have to fucking merge. So it's very unsafe to be in the right lane on a highway. It's better to be in the center lane or the left lane. People hate mediocrity, dude. Mediocrity sells, though. Like, the same reason 
people hate comedians who get successful is the same reason people hate TikTok. Like, you got to appeal to the lowest common denominator to reach the masses. That's just a fact about entertainment and society. You can't hate the player. You can't hate on Carrot Top just because he figured out a way to get successful. He's not the funniest guy in the world, but he figured out a way that that with prop comedy to develop a very successful career. And people talk shit about him, or at least they used to when he was relevant in like the 90s or whatever. It's like, dude, he figured something out. It's not. What do you? Why would you resent the fact that what people like happens to be low common denominator shit? That's just what people like. If you want to reach the masses, you have to do something that most people like, that which happens to be not sophisticated. It's hard to be sophisticated. Like Tom Segura is my favorite comic right now because he doesn't have to be raunchy to get laughs. He's a genius. He could have a, like he has a joke about just how his friend didn't want to get the same meal as him at a restaurant. Yeah. He's just a genius and he's a, he's a fucking professional and he reaches the masses without catering to the common denominator. So I respect the shit out of him. I mean, Louis C.K., I guess the same thing, but he's less relevant these days. Louis C.K.'s last special, I just it wasn't my favorite. Uh, I liked his older shit. It was good. I, I watched it, but it, I, it didn't leave me feeling satisfied like his other ones did. Pretty much all comics were losers growing up, so they love dunking on other comics. Anytime there's a, another comic that does something that that they get, that is worthy of judgment. Oh man, comics love to do that. They love to jump onto them and like pile up on them because they are insecure. They don't want it to happen to them. So they want to feel superior to the one that it's currently happening to by jumping on the by jumping on the bandwagon and then meanwhile and then a fucking couple months later that dude who just dunked on the the loser who got who got canceled also gets canceled it fucking just what goes around comes around baby so it's probably better to just not do that it's probably better to just not be an asshole like and also being canceled isn't the worst thing in the world as long as it's for nothing bad like the worst drama I've ever gotten in was just uh, telling somebody they sucked or something. It wasn't like I abused somebody. It wasn't like I molested anybody. Uh, I posted something on Facebook a couple of years ago that supposedly, like, um, apparently got like a lot of flack. Like I posted a status about like how feminism is bad or something how slut shaming is a good thing and uh it is i think it was a smart it was a, i believe in it. it wasn't even a joke i was like yeah we should is slut shaming such a bad thing i don't remember the point of it it had a point to it yeah something about it was a good stat it was a poignant thing to say and and uh i believed in what i was saying and and it rubbed people the wrong way i heard I didn't look. I don't fucking care if people say on Facebook. 
But if that counts as drama, then sure, that's as dramatic as I've ever been, is saying something people don't like that has nothing... Not about anyone in in particular, just about slut-shaming in general, and it had... So I don't really count that as drama, but other people did apparently. I don't. I don't fucking care. Like, I maybe want to do it. it. If anything, it encouraged me to do it even more. Okay, you're gonna try to censor me because it did get deleted. It actually got uh, <laughs> it got censored from Facebook uh, or censored. It got it got removed from Facebook. It got moderated because they found it offensive. It's like. Okay, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna think that. It's like, if you just delete it, d- delete the words from a platform, it doesn't really like have any effect on the idea. I like if anything, it encourages me to say it even more. Like I want to post it. I I kind of want to repost it <laughs> now that people forgot. I, it's been a couple of years. I still believe it. So uh, I don't know. It didn't really negatively affect me at all it it made me feel like oh shit i have power i have power over people's uh dumb not emotions like i guess it's it's, i don't really want to fuck with people's emotions but i have uh i'm definitely part of the conversation it made me feel relevant yeah that's what it was you know if you say something controversial and people react to it that shows that you have you're fucking you're relevant. You're part of the conversation. If you just say, you know, if nobody reacts, then it probably wasn't that interesting of a thing to say. So, pretty much all Kyrie read. <laughs> I hate that I'm funny. Yeah, it's a curse actually to be funny because it means that I get pleasure from making people laugh, or at least that's what it means for most people that are funny. That they get pleasure from making people laugh which means I have to be around other comedians for most of my time. Most of my time spent is around other comedians, and that sucks, dude, because comedians are toxic people, if you haven't realized that by my this episode so far. Comics are toxic, and it rubs off on you no matter how hard you try. The longer you're around other shitty comedians the more it's going to infect you because you just you think it doesn't but then years go by and then you you get a self-awareness check you go oh shit i guess i am kind of a dick from doing comedy for so long because so you want other people's approval and when you don't get it it kind of gets to you so it's like fuck now i have to get better at this to gain approval from people i would from fucking strangers not even i mean they're not strangers but they start off as strangers like just you know people in the periphery people in the scene they start off as strangers but then you see them around and they don't like come up they don't talk to you at first so you have to go well i wouldn't mind socializing a little bit so you go well i'm not for them to talk to me, I have to prove that I'm a good comedian, and that's annoying, but it also makes sense because that's what they're there for. That's what we're here for is to be, do comedy. So, of course, we only want to be around good comedians, but that's annoying. Like, oh, great, I have to get better at comedy just to have somebody to have a conversation with. Yeah, 
That's how it works. So that makes you kind of annoyed. It makes you kind of bitter, I guess. It makes you resent people for kind of the same reason that my friend, I keep using the word, what else is he? He's barely a friend, but that's the word I'm going to use. Acquaintance, I don't know. Uh, he had a chip on his shoulder like because other people respect like treated him a certain way in his hometown and and when that drops off and people no longer just treat you a certain way it hurts it hurts your ego but ego's gay ego's good a little bit you know you kind of need to have that fire under your to like to feel good but like you don't actually you don't need a big ego to succeed in comedy, you do need competitiveness, though. For any to succeed in business, you need to be com a competitive. Compet you know, being competitive isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like thinking that you're better than other people. Like if it's yeah, you gotta have some self assuredness, or else you're not gonna leave the house. You have to have like a baseline. Yeah, I deserve to be here. I deserve to. Uh, put myself out there a little bit I mean, i've proved myself a little bit anyway you slowly become toxic the longer you're, you're around a comedy scene it's a horrible place to be thank fuck i left chicago though that talking shit is very fun it is very fun like i did it even on this podcast um let's do it some more so stand-up encourages narcissism um, but the best comedians tend to not be narcissists. It just attracts narcissists and people who resent their parents. But to be a real comic, you probably aren't an obnoxious dick. I've noticed this. Like, um, I've met like most successful comedians are not dicks, which is a weird paradox. It's a weird fact about the art form or the industry is that the better you are at it, you tend to be hum humilified or humbled by you. Like George Carlin was a nice guy, even though he was the one of the best comedians of all time. He was also a nice guy. So if he was a nice guy, why would an open micer not also be? <laughs> why would an open micer be a conceited asshole? If George Carlin wasn't even that. Yeah, there's a lot of narcissism in comedy. I hung out, like I used to hang out. I like narcissists though. Because I'm one of them. So I actually like being around them. Because they have that one-up attitude. And that can be a good... That actually, I just like being around narcissists. Um, and so I, I used to kind of hang out with a lot of them. On purpose in Chicago. I hung out with this one who was not the most friendly person. Like, he was kind of like a bully, and he was very mean-spirited and, like, would do things to people just to hurt them or their feelings. And he would get into this drama, like, real drama, all the time. And he was a horrible alcoholic and just a, lived a sad life. But uh, he was funny. But anyway, I don't know. I, I only... I just like being around narcissists because they uh I could tell what I know what they're going through I get I I can relate to them but the thing I was reading that I stopped reading Steve like the difference between making it in 
there's a difference between making it in comedy and being a comedian. Steve-O does stand-up comedy. He isn't that good at it. He's not horrible, but he would bomb if he wasn't already famous. So there's a difference between making it and just doing it. You could do high-quality comedy, stand-up comedy, and get zero uh, success. Just stay exactly at the same place, the ground floor, the mezzanine, the lobby. Just stay at the lobby. Yet, you could still be a great comedian even, even if you have zero clout. Even if you're just, yeah, like I said, at the ground level, you could be a real comedian. That's the interesting, that's an interesting, I mean, that's how it is for any art form. You could be a, a painter. I don't know, I think it's a little different with painters because there's something substantial, something material that you could be like, yeah, that's a good painter, you should be famous. I don't know, man. I'm just, the point is that you shouldn't be, too hung up with the whole well how did he make it and i didn't and i'm funnier than him so well because he did he may he did he sucked the right dicks they sucked the right dicks there's like you have to put yourself out there to a degree that is so self involved to make it in this field because nobody's going to reach out to you if you don't really care Nobody's going to come knocking on my door, you know, to book me on, you know, the headline a show unless I'm out there already knocking on their fucking door. So if you don't have that drive or confidence to do that, you probably ain't ever going to make it no matter how funny you are. So there's that's why there's a lot of unfunny people who get way more work because they are not afraid to do those things. Like there's somebody in particular that is here in town right now who shall remain nameless because I, why would I say who it is if there's, if it will only, if that's it's a dick, I'm, I'm nice. I'm, I don't hate them. I'm just saying they're not that good, but, but they get a lot of work because they have that uh, mentality of, uh, asking for of like networking that's what they're good at they're very good at networking but they suck i'm gonna <laughs> all right so we're pretty much we're wrapping up i saw a comedian last night for the first time that was recommended to me by somebody who's been on this podcast before matt perez he was like you gotta check out ryan joseph so i finally crossed paths with ryan joseph last night he he showed up at this showcase that i just happened to be be at to support just to watch it because i was there's nothing you know i didn't feel like performing i just wanted to support a show and he uh he's he's funny he uh he has he does a lot of set up punch jokes kind of like anthony jeselnik but different he's like he's a right wing He's anti. He he does the type of comedy that I love, but it doesn't appeal to the left. But it's it actually he did get them to laugh, even the dumb people that are you know just vote based on uh, what they're told based on propaganda. They, you know, he, and he didn't do that great, but he did good. 
but he left right after his set because he didn't do that great and he like somebody walked out <laughs> during his set but I was I was loving it and it was a bittersweet thing because I I knew what that what he was doing was great com like the top tier type of comedy that I that is needed more of that we need more of he wasn't just catering or pandering to the crowd he was doing what he found funny regardless of how offensive it was like you know that's what you should be doing so some people were kind of laughing but on that but you know he didn't feel that he did that well i went up to him as a like, yo that was great the crowd sucked but you that that was amazing and but he was like super i don't know he seemed very like shy so he left before I could finish. I wanted to talk to him a lot more, but he left. And I get it. Who wants to? Who wants to stay at a show after you didn't do that well? Um, that takes balls. I heard. I heard that uh, Norm Macdonald would uh, like if he bombed, he would he would actually hang out right after where the audience would walk. He would actually meet and greet, do a meet and greet with the audience, even if he bombed, because that's the type of person he was. He just thought it was funny to do that. Like, yeah, I, I bombed, but I'm still going to, like, shake hands with everybody as if it was great. That's such a Norm McDonald thing to do. Most people don't do that. Most people, if they bomb, they just want to get the fuck out of there because it makes because it feels horrible to stick around knowing that you failed at the thing that you're trying to do and everybody knows that you failed and you don't want to you don't want to talk to anybody so you just leave it hurts your ego hurt you hurt your ego but fuck it dude so I, I did karaoke uh two nights ago and i i just wanted to sing and uh, so i i I paid a little bit of money i tipped the fucking karaoke person dj whatever to get up there fast so I could just get in and get out. And I was singing a song. I only I was like a minute in. And uh, it was a very, very packed place. And I was so focused on the song that I didn't realize it's one of the, that somebody like fucking threw their brassiere on stage. Somebody threw a bra on stage while I was singing. And I didn't even notice because I was so focused on the song. My autistic brain was just so one-dimensionally focused on the lyrics. So don't fuck up the song that I didn't notice that somebody fucking threw a bra. So <laughs> I noticed that something was thrown on the stage, but I don't know it was a bra. I thought it was just like a T-shirt. I thought it was just something. I thought somebody was heckling me by throwing. I thought I was doing bad. So... <laughs> That's the opposite. No, I, I, that's what you want to have happen. I should have caught it and showed it to the... That would have been the best move ever to, like, catch it and then wear, just put it on my shoulder. That would have been great. But since I didn't notice that it happened, it just fucking sat on the fucking floor. It was like, well... You don't really... What a... So it felt like a wasted opportunity. And then they played me off way before the song was done. And that's fine, cause it, whatever. But it's not like I was doing bad. And I I got off stage, and then and a couple of women were like, "I liked it." It's like, I don't know. I just wasn't 
it's weird to do shit sober like that. Do do karaoke sober in a packed place, and you, you just I I wasn't loose enough to take to react in the right way of a of somebody doing that, and uh, I I look back at it with remorse. It's like that's a golden opportunity. That doesn't happen every day. Would have been so cool to. To wear that bra out, to wear it out. Anyway, that's it. That's the last thing I want to talk about. This has been episode 19. I'll see you next week. Have a good one.